2,000 years ago, Jesus walked up to a handful of men and said two words to them that changed their life forever. He said to them, follow me. I don't know what it would have been like to have been one of those men that day. We can only imagine what that must have been like to be Peter or one of the other men standing there that day mending your nets and see a man walking towards you. You don't know. In just a short period of time, he asked you such a life-changing question. Follow me. These were ordinary men. They had lives, they had businesses, they had families. And when Jesus called them that day, I don't know if they would have truly understood or even expected how much their life would be so quickly and completely changed. I don't think the disciples that day could have fully understood what was about to take place when they responded to the call of Jesus. Whatever the expectations or the doubts or even the curiosities, I'm sure they felt that day that nothing could have prepared them for what lay ahead. Everything about Jesus, His teaching, compassion, wisdom, His life, His death, His resurrection, His power, authority, calling, would shape every aspect of their lives from that point forward. In only a few years, Jesus would take these handful of fishermen, a tax collector, and He would shape them through a process of discipleship that would take them from being ordinary men to being the men in which Acts refers to these are the men who have turned the world upside down. What simply began as a call of obedience, a call to Jesus' plea of follow me or his challenge of follow me. What began simply as obedience ended up changing their lives and ultimately changing the world. I'd like to ask you a question. But before you answer that question... I'd like to challenge you by really exploring what the meaning of the word disciple is. If I ask you the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? Most of us could give a pretty good answer to what that means. And really the answer is simple. However, to really understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ ultimately will change our life forever. You see, the word disciple means... A student or apprentice, someone who was taught or trained. During the time of Jesus, a, a, a person would, would follow around a rabbi. Uh, and they would go where the rabbi went. And they would be taught by the rabbi. And they would do as the rabbi did. So really to be a disciple is to be a follower. But only if we take the word follower literally. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is as simple as obeying his call to follow. When Jesus first called his disciples, they may not have understood what Jesus and where Jesus would take them and the impact it would have on their lives. They took Jesus' call literally and began to go everywhere he went and do everything he did. That's a very key point. To be a disciple, they went everywhere he went and did everything he did. And heard everything he said. Jesus said a disciple is not above his teacher. 
but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That's what Luke chapter 6 verse 40 tells us. That's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We imitate him, we carry on his ministry, and become like him in the process. It's somehow we have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without being like Christ. A follower who doesn't follow. How does that make any sense, really, when you think about it? Many people in the church have decided to take on the name of Jesus, but really nothing else. There are attendees. They may have been baptized. They may have even professed to believe in God. They may have even received His Spirit. But really, that's where it stops. They haven't gone beyond that. They haven't really pursued or followed after Him. They may be a believer, but they haven't truly become a follower. Really, this would be like Jesus walking up to those guys that day and saying, Hey, um, would you guys mind identifying yourself with me or in some way? Uh, don't worry, I don't actually care if you do anything I do or change your lifestyle at all. I'm just looking for people who are willing to say they believe in me and will call themselves Christians. Seriously? I don't think anybody really believes that that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But if that's the case, then why, then why do so many live their life in this way? It appears that we've lost sight of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. The concept of being a disciple isn't difficult to understand, but it affects everything. I want to ask you a question. Up to this point in your life, would you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ? And remember the definition we gave for what it means to be a follower. And why would you say that? And furthermore, do you see in your life the evidence of what Jesus described in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 40? True biblical salvation requires us to understand and accept the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves or to earn God's favor. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. No one can really brag about his or her good deeds because our works cannot save us. What we do cannot save us. Salvation really comes through the grace of God as we place our reliance, our faith, our dependency upon Jesus Christ. All salvation ultimately begins and requires faith. But ultimately the bigger question is, do we really believe Jesus is who he says he is? But really keep in mind, while this may be simple, it's not easy. Faith in Jesus means believing that He is Lord. Have you ever thought about what it means to call Him Lord? Or really what the word Lord means? We sometimes think about it as another name of God, or but simply a title that we put on God. But it really refers to the fact of a master, an owner, a person who is in a position of authority. So take a moment and think about this for a moment. Do you really believe 
that Jesus is your master. I know that's a little strong, but I want you to think about it. Do you believe that he is your owner? I know in our world today that's a little strong, but think about this. That you actually belong to him. The Bible says we're bought with a price. We're not our own. I know sometimes we, we lose sight of that, but do we really understand what those words truly mean? Paul said, us, said to us so boldly, he said, You are not your own, but you are bought with a price. So glory, glorify God in your body. The same Lord who by His grace set us free from sin and death now owns us. Think about that. We belong to Him. You belong to Him. And He calls us to live a life of obedience to Him. The problem is, is many in our church or many in churches all over the world want to confess that they believe that Jesus is Lord. They really don't believe He is their Master. or They don't even want to go down those roads. But do you see the contradiction there that we want the, 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 the benefits of his lordship but we don't want the responsibility that comes with him being the lord of our life. We, we want the benefits of the kingdom and being a part of the kingdom but we don't want to look at the fact that we are not our own. The call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is, an, is open to everyone no matter who you are, no matter your background, where you come from. But we don't get to write our job description. It Jesus, if Jesus is Lord, He sets the agenda. Jesus Christ is Lord, then your life belongs to Him. He has a plan, an agenda, a calling for you. You don't get to tell Him that you'll be what you'll be doing today or the rest of your life. I know in our world today. It really doesn't go over. But we really don't get to tell him what we're going to be doing today. Well, Lord, I'll go to church Sunday, but Monday i got to do these things. If he really is our master, and really being a disciple of Jesus Christ means he owns us, then really everything we have and everything we do belongs to him. I'd like to ask you another question. I want you to take a moment and evaluate your approach to following Jesus. And would you say that you view Jesus as your Lord? As your master, as your owner? And if your question to this is yes or no, then really the second question is, then why or why not did you answer that way? Before you get depressed and turn me off after what we just talked about, about the Lordship of Jesus... Don't get the impression that what we're talking about with following Jesus is some joyless sacrifice. More than anything else, following Jesus boils down to really two commandments. In which Jesus said were the most important commandments in the Old Testament law. He said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Really what we're talking about, it comes down to one simple word, and that is love. In fact, Peter expressed it well for people like us, people who didn't see Jesus on earth, but we still follow him nonetheless. He said this, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that it is inexpressible and filled with glory. Following Jesus is not about diligently keeping some set of rules and the do's and the don'ts or conjuring up some moral fortitude to live good, wholesome lives. But really it's about loving God and really enjoying Him. It's that word relationship. But don't get the impression that we can love God and live however we want to. Because really Jesus made this very clear. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The love for God in the first commandment is made practical in the love for our neighbor in the second commandment. John actually told us that if we don't love the people that we can see around us, then we really don't love God who we can't see. True love is all about sacrifice for the sake of the ones you love. But the Bible said this, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. When we understand love is the light, it's not difficult to understand the love for God and the obedience to Jesus. Jesus cannot be separated. God's love changes us from the inside out and redefines every aspect of our life as we walk this journey of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask you another question. As you look at your life, how would you say that your love for God is shown in your actions. Remember the words of Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. How is your love for God shown in your actions? Think about it. I want to take a moment and I want to challenge you to consider really what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Remember the word follower. That word only works if we take it literally. Follower is not synonymous with believer. And I want to take a moment and just challenge you to really consider what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I want you to think through the Bible and really think about what the Bible teaches and its implications on the way we live our life today. Everything we do in our discipleship journey will be for the purpose of applying it in our life and teaching others to do the same. But before you set out to teach others to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to examine your own heart and to make sure that you are first a disciple. Listen to the following words of Jesus very carefully. Understand that Jesus is speaking these words to you and to me. Think about what Jesus is saying and how it should affect the way you approach your relationship with Him. These are the words. Now great crowds accompanied Him, and He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after Me cannot be My disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going out 
to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him or with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I want to ask you another question. If you choose to obey the call of Jesus to follow, what might it cost you? And furthermore, what might hold you back from following Jesus at this point in your life? And to a greater extent, are you willing to let these things go if necessary? Think about it. So what does becoming a disciple look like? We have to be careful how we answer this question. Because for some of us, our church experience up to this point has been focused on programs that we immediately think about Jesus' command to make disciples is, is, is a programmatic approach. We expect our church leaders to create some sort of disciple-maker campaign where we sign up and we commit to participating for a few months and then we get to cross the Great Commission off our list. So we're now disciples, but making a disciple, becoming a disciple is far more than a program. It is a mission of our lives, and really it truly should define us. Unfortunately, disciple-making has become the exclusive domain of pastors. Sell, salesmen sell, and insurance agents insure, and ministers minister. At least that's the way it works for most of us in our church ideology. While it's true that pastors and elders and apostles in the New Testament made disciples, we can't overlook the fact that discipleship was everyone's job. The members of the early church took their responsibility to make disciples very seriously. To them, the church wasn't a corporation that was run by some CEO. Rather, they compared the church to a body that functions properly when every member is doing its part. Let me remind you, the words of Paul and how he explained this process in the book of Ephesians. He said he gave the apostles, he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part, and again, I, under, I emphasize that word, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up, and there's that word again, in love. Really, Paul saw the church as a community or a group of people working together in love in which every person is actively involved in doing the work of ministry. The pastor is not the minister, at least in the way we typically think of a minister. The pastor is the equipper, and every member of the church is a minister. These implications, when you think about this, are massive, especially in the way we have thought about church up to this point. Don't think of yourself as merely a, don't, don't think of this as, a, as, a, as some kind of theological issue, but I want you to see yourself 
in the passage that we just read. Paul said it's your job to do the work of the ministry. And Jesus commanded all of us to make disciples. But in order to make disciples, we must first become a disciple. Most Christians give a a number of reasons why they cannot or should not disciple or become a disciple. Some people say, I don't don't feel called to ministry or I don't have, I have too much on my plate, you know, right now. And I, I don't really have the time to invest in what you're asking me to do. Oh, how about this one? I don't know the Bible good enough. I have too many issues in my life I'm trying to work around. But hey, I tell you what, when I get all this stuff worked out, then I'll become a disciple. You know what? As convincing to our own selves as some of these excuses may seem to be, Jesus commands to us, don't come with a, an exception clause. Follow me, except if you have too much shame. Follow me, except if you've got too much on your plate. Follow me, unless you work a, a difficult job. That's what, that wasn't the words of Jesus. He doesn't call us to love our neighbors only if we like our neighbors. <laughs> In fact, if you read Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, and for time's sake we're not going to do that, you'll see several individuals who gave great excuses for why they couldn't follow Jesus at the time. And read the passage and take note of how Jesus responded to them. His response actually may surprise you. Really, God wants us to view the other believers in our lives as partners in ministry. God has not called you to become a disciple in isolation. I want to repeat that again because I want you to understand that. God has not called us to be a disciple in isolation. He has placed us in the context of a body so that we can be encouraged and challenged by the people around us. And in return, we can encourage and challenge others so that we can create a culture of discipleship, that we all want to be followers of Jesus. And when a brother or sister around us is struggling, that we encourage them. And then in return, when we're struggling, we have others that can encourage us. Think about this. Who has God placed in your life to be a partner in becoming a disciple? Who are the people around you that you can lean on and partner with and that you can say, let's become disciples together? think about it. As we close out 2017 and we approach the dawn of a new year and as God begins to reveal more and more of what he wants to do in us and through us, the theme that we're going to have for 2018 is becoming disciples. And can I say that is not for those who are new or those who haven't quite gotten the teaching that they need yet to fully understand what God wants to do in their life. But really becoming disciples is a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for me, and hopefully it's a challenge for you. But I believe sincerely, if all of us make an effort, and all of us challenge ourselves, and I'm not big into New Year's resolutions, because most of the time, by January in February, the end of January, beginning of February, New, Year, New Year's resolutions have gone 
totally away and now we're back to our own lives. But hopefully in Jesus' name, somewhere in this, the Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, meaning that we are transformed by thinking differently. And I pray to, that I pray sincerely that as we have talked about discipleship, that somewhere in this, the Spirit of the Lord has challenged you to think differently about the process of becoming a disciple and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And as we approach the theme of becoming disciples, that all of us, every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, from those who are just beginning their walk with God, to those of us that have been around for years, all of us will make a brand new effort and sacrifice to become true disciples of Jesus Christ. It truly will change our lives. And God will become more real to us than He's ever been before. God bless you. Thank you for listening.